0: Alright folks, welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm looking for my friend out there, Seth. Seth?
1: Hey, how are you doing, Carolyn?
0: I'm doing really well. How are you?
1: I am doing well. Uh, It's been kind of a long week. I think the the gray skies have uh, contributed to that. We had sun a couple weeks ago, and it must have been the first time in weeks because it felt like... You know, we were in the kingdom of Valhalla or something. It was so <laughs> great. Now it's just gray again forever. Yeah,
0: you, said it, you said it's been really gloomy there. Um, we've had we've had sun and weirdly warm weather, but today is gloomy here too. So feel hmm. your pain. It looks like it's going to snow, but I don't think it's cold enough, frankly.
1: Well, we'll t- try to keep the gloom out of our podcast, I suppose. I,
0: don't know, I have a sunny disposition today. Sunny <laughs> disposition.
1: So I sent you a couple things this week that I had come across, and combined they made me think a little bit about the workplace of the future, and and this isn't a topic that uh, has never been covered before. Plenty of people have looked at this, but we've talked about the workforce a couple times on the podcast and talked about the nature of employees and the nature of work and the skills that they might need, and I thought it might be nice to go ahead and dive a little bit into the workplace, and the devices that are getting used, and the applications that are getting used, and just the tools that people have as they're doing their job these days.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's a great topic. I looked over the stuff that you sent me, and um, there's some really interesting data out there. We're clearly at a point between cloud and the you know, consumerization of IT and BYOD, where the work, what we use in the workplace is changing. Workers have more flexibility in what they're using, there are implications for that, obviously, and if if you're somebody in a channel um, these are the things you need to be up to date on in terms of what workers are using um, because that's your next uh, opportunity area from a sales standpoint so good topic for sure
1: yeah there's there's a lot of abstraction happening too i think both on mobile devices and with cloud software like you mentioned abstraction is growing and i think that that leads to opportunity for the it channel and for it professionals that are working at their organizations But it also leads to some challenges in in trying to develop the solutions and the experiences that people are expecting. Uh, And and so I think that people have to take into consideration what are all these pieces, where are they being abstracted, and and how do all the dots get connected?
0: Yeah, I think complexity definitely um, enters the fray here, particularly when you say that, that with all the transparency. And with things in the cloud, things on-prem, you know, then personal devices coming into the workplace, there's obviously a lot of security implications that need to be dealt with. So with freedom and flexibility come responsibility, right? And I, I, I think we're entering an interesting time in the, in the workplace um, with respect to the types of technology we use, but also how we manage the technology that we are using. Not to mention that you've got folks like myself who don't even go to an office. So you've got, you know, legions of remote workers out there who are, you know, managing their own technology essentially on, you know, within the walls of their own home or in a satellite office. So that's another interesting dynamic to consider.
1: Definitely. So uh, let's start with the devices, maybe. The first thing that I had come across that I sent you was some data from Flirty, uh, which is part of Yahoo and The one piece of information that I was really keying in on was the form factors. Uh, They've got a chart there that shows the the different distribution among full-size tablets, small tablets, phablets, medium phones, and small phones, and I don't know exactly how they're defining some of these things, especially phablet. You know, I'm assuming that's about a five and a half inch screen or larger, but they've got these these definitions, and there's some interesting things in there and some interesting uh, points about... What devices people are using. And then I think that leads into uh, a discussion about how these people are bringing in those devices or how they're getting them at their workplace, whether they're bringing them in themselves or whether uh, the company is providing them. So as far as form factor goes, a few years ago, I think there was a little bit of a sentiment that we were really heading towards a three-device workplace, that people were going to have a laptop or maybe a PC, some kind of a larger, full-functioning computer, and then they were going to have a smartphone, and then in the middle they would have a tablet. And and I I don't know if that's quite the sentiment anymore. Um, I know you and I have different experiences with our devices, and we we each have three. We each use them differently. But I I would say that even though we've got different experiences, we would probably say that if something was going to go, it would be the tablet, that we have to have our laptop, we have to have our phone. Uh, and the tablet is useful in some cases, but not maybe in every case. Uh, and and so I, I don't know that we really are heading towards three for every person. We're um, maybe heading towards a place where the channel or the IT department has to think about three devices, um, but we don't have three for every person.
0: Yeah, no, I'd agree. I, I'd agree with that. You and I have spoken about this before. I mean, just personally, I have found little use for the tablet that I have, my third device. Um, I thought it was cool when I first got it, and I see how you can use it professionally, and I do see some of the benefits, but for me, it's it's just another thing to carry around. I'm real wedded to the laptop in terms of gigs. I'm writing so much. I really need to be able to type the way that I want to type, and then the phone obviously is the phone, and, and um, I'm even kind of surprised about this fabric growth that the Flurry Report is saying that when basically they're saying that this that market share of phablets is going to you know eat away at small phones and medium phones, and it appears based on their data here that you know that's the fastest growing piece of the pie of these different devices that we're talking about. But to me, and I, again, this is personal preference perhaps, but I don't need a big phone. I don't want a big phone. I want something that fits in a pocket or a small purse or whatever it is. And I know that just sounds like you know it, it, it is a personal preference, but. Um, I'm just wondering, what is it, is it all about screen size I, that people, I mean, what are they doing on these tablets from a work perspective anyway?
1: I think it's about screen size and real estate. Um, I'm with you that I like to have a smaller phone. Our, our phones are probably considered medium phones in this report, but the fact that we both find the, the tablet to kind of be our third device and, and the fact that I think many people are finding that, that the tablet isn't necessarily the primary device in any situation except maybe travel that's where i tend to use it the most Sorry. but that's probably what leads to this this larger phone movement that if people don't want to try to juggle three and if the one to go is is the the in between one then they're probably going to bring those those other two devices a little bit closer to the middle and so they might have a little bit larger phone maybe a little bit smaller laptop and and then they try to cover all of the ground that they would want to cover with those two devices. Part of the reason that I like my tablet so much is that I still like a larger laptop, so I've still got a 15-inch screen. Most of the people that I see working here or when I travel are working with 13-inch screens, um, and they just don't want to carry around the extra heft. I don't mind it. I love having that uh, screen real estate on my laptop. And then that creates a little bit more space for a tablet to fit in. But I think most people are going towards a two-device system. And again, they're, they're bringing their laptop down to that 13-inch or maybe even smaller. And then they want to bring the phone up a little bit so that if they're on the go and they don't want to pull out their laptop, then they've got a little bit more room to work with, even if they're just you know writing email or reading or looking at reports or something like that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I do see the benefits from a travel perspective for that size, and I do understand real estate for the screen for many people is a super important feature. So you know it'll be it'll be interesting. I think your thoughts around it being a three-device world for everybody is true. I think I'm seeing that in the marketplace that people may have three devices, but they're more they're relying more on two. Unfortunately for an IT department perhaps and for you know a channel company who's doing management remotely of these devices, they nonetheless will still need to be managing or at least monitoring the dormant device, the third device that's not used as much, um, if they're going to be giving them out to people.
1: Mm-hmm. With devices, I think the other big thing that people were thinking a few years ago was that we were headed to a BYOD world, that there was going to be nothing that could stop that. Everyone was just going to want to bring their own device in. Um, And companies wouldn't really be incented to try to get in the way of that. And I think that's even been a more surprising uh, reversal that we've seen in the research that over the past four years, we've been asking companies about three different flavors of BYOD versus provisioning their own device, uh, whether they try to have a policy of no BYOD at all. Uh, whether they do a little bit of mixing or whether they have a policy that's full BYOD and they don't uh, provision any devices. And the area that we have seen grow is the no BYOD, uh, and companies are more and more getting in the business or remaining in the business of provisioning their own devices. And I think what's happened is that companies have found that they still want to have a mobility strategy. They definitely want to have that. And if they're having a mobility strategy, and if they're somewhat broad in the number of devices that they allow uh, employees to choose from, then employees are going to choose from either an Apple device or an Android device. They can get the top of the line if that's what the company's offering. And then employees don't necessarily have that strong incentive to go bring their own thing in. You still have some that may be want to keep a personal device. And you you still have some that probably are going to try to get that personal device on the network. But the starting point of no BYOD, where the company provides all the devices and then they retain some control, seems to be the one that's growing. Um, In our latest study, that was at 56%. And then there was 36% doing a partial BYOD and just 8% doing full BYOD, which is about the same that we've seen in the past four years. So The idea of BYOD has definitely changed over the past few years.
0: It's interesting. I think it does have a lot to do with the company and whether they're offering choice. So people get wedded to the type of device that they want to use and the brand and all of that. If you've got a company that offers uh, either an iPhone or Android device and whatever your particular preference is, you get to choose. And then, like you said, you can then often get the top of the line um, that you're getting – I can see why the majority of employees would be okay with that. Now, if it was more restrictive, perhaps, and you only were offered one choice, this is what we give out, and that's it. I could see then maybe being some pushback. But it is a little surprising, though. I did think we were going to go to a whole like, Wild West kind of thing with BYOD, and, and companies were just going to stop provisioning, stop you know, issuing devices at all and get out of that business and let, you know let their employees use their own. But I think it's an interesting... It's an interesting bow, I think, to security and control in some regards. It's, what's even more interesting, though, is that on the software side of things, you know, we are seeing, you know, individual business units and line of business people and and non IT department issued applications left and right that are going into departments, and there are individual workers who are able to have cloud based applications that they're using on their work issued laptop that may that nobody may know they're using, for instance. So. Uh, I think it's, we're seeing one direction on the hardware device side and another going on on the application side.
1: Well, and I think that the application side is is part of what's helping drive that hardware side. That that if companies are realizing that you know, the employees are happy enough with the devices that they might offer, maybe they've had to make a change to say, we offer multiple devices instead of we just offer this one device, and so that's been a change for them. Um, but I think you're absolutely right about security and control being the driving factors here. That was always the huge issue uh, with BYOD and, and what people were were wondering how that was going to get solved. Uh, and, and I think that that still is a question, I think, even for companies that say, we're going to have a no BYOD policy, only devices that we give you can get onto the corporate network, there has to be some contingency plan knowing that people are probably going to try to connect some other device at some point uh, and so i think they still have to think about that but the applications now are where people are really living and they're the ones that are getting used and are you moving files into a file sharing device that's supported by it or not supported by it and controlling the software i think is much more difficult but controlling the hardware at least gives you a first step into that um... and that's maybe a good transition into the different software that people are using. And that's the second report uh, that we both looked at this week from Okta, who is a company that manages uh, online digital identities, uh, and so that you've got some identity control across all the different applications that you're using. So they put out a report showing the different applications that people are using. And uh, that had a lot of interesting points in it. One that took me a little while to grasp was i I was looking at some of their uh, charts with the growth of different applications and thinking all of these applications are growing and then i realized that you have to take some of this data with a little bit of a grain of salt because they're looking at uh, the okta customer base Um, and so it's not that that customer base has stayed steady and all of these applications are growing in usage the customer base is probably growing too Um, and so you have to factor that in To some of this but there's uh, still some pretty interesting applications that are being used and some interesting trends in the applications that are out there
0: yeah i i noted the methodology here too as well as is understanding that this is their base and their base as they self-describe it is very cloud forward which would um impact the types of applications that we're talking about here um, as as mainly cloud based applications. But again, yeah, I agree. There, there's some interesting choices that are making the uh, the top ten lists and, you know, most popular lists. And uh, I found I had I had fun going through this report actually and checking out what's going on. It looks like, you know, Office three sixty five is is, is is kicking it, you know, compared to um, some of the other applications. But, you know, you get on the laundry list and uh, and some I recognize and some I don't. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway was Office 365 as well. And I think that there are some things that we tend to forget when we're looking at selected pieces of data or stories that might come out of the industry. Um, and one of those things that I think we might tend to forget is how large an install base can be uh, for certain things. You know, Whether that's PCs, as we're talking about the PC market declining, or whether that's Microsoft's software as we talk about all these other applications that are starting to be used and and come to the forefront. Um, So even with uh, the knowledge that we're talking about, the Okta base here, looking at their popular applications over time, everything kind of goes up as it's going to the right, but Office 365 goes up more dramatically than anything else. And at this point, it is by quite a wide margin, uh, the leading application for Okta's customers. Uh, And I think, again, a few years ago, people were thinking that maybe Microsoft was facing a lot of threats, that Google's uh, what's now called G Suite, uh, their business productivity, was going to probably steal some of that market share. And I'm sure it has. But people like to stay with Microsoft. They're already with it. And so staying in that path, as long as you can get some reasonable approximation of the features and the convenience and all of those things... Um, is an easy choice for people. And and I think that that's one thing that probably needs to worry some of these other smaller groups. And Slack is the one that I think about the most here because Microsoft just announced Microsoft Teams. So you and I have discussed Slack before on the podcast and it's an interesting piece of software. There are a lot of people using it um, for interoffice office communications and even outside of the office to form different Slack channels and different groups. But Microsoft has now announced Microsoft Teams, which is meant to carry a lot of the same functionality. And I'm assuming that Microsoft Teams is going to just be part of Microsoft Office 365. People will have it. Even if they're not using it today, it's going to be there. So when they get to a point of saying, hey, I'd like a little bit more of this chat-based you know, type interface that I hear that Slack has, oh, we've got Microsoft Teams. Let's just use that. And I think that that will help them pick up a lot of momentum, even though they weren't the first entrant into the market.
0: Well, that's their MO for the most part. Um, Microsoft often isn't the first entrant into many markets, especially in the internet age. Um, but then they, they swoop in a little bit later, and they've got a huge installed base, like you said. And the other thing to note is they've got a huge channel community. Um, Microsoft probably has the largest number of channel partners of any of the major, major platform vendors that you think about out there. and so. That's a natural, you know, that's a natural migration for those partners to sell those who, you know, typically who historically have sold uh, licensed software on prem from Microsoft and have a number you know, all their customers on it. um, It's a natural progression for them to move to um, doing Office 365 and all of the components that go with that and they've already got the customers um, and they've already got those relationships so this makes a lot of sense to me and I, i think you're spot on with teams versus you know and what that could potentially do to slack because you know microsoft just includes these elements within the larger um package of software that they're that they're selling to their customers and like you said whether they're using it initially or not it's there and for many folks um ease and simplicity as opposed to going out and finding a collaboration platform that you want to use, we've already got one. At least give it a try. So I I expect that that will probably eat into Slack's mojo right now a little bit as well.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a lot about building a platform and and having this common platform. And, and there's always this this tug of war between. Having a common platform or a single vendor and and being able being able to go best of breed and have a lot of choice and I think as complexity grows here like we were talking about at the very beginning that lends a little bit more weight to having this common platform and trying to simplify things for people um, I don't think it was in the Octa report but I know you and I were talking earlier this week about social apps and that so much activity is starting to default to people's social app. Uh, And whether that's news reading or communications or whatever it is, it's all coming into social or messaging apps. Uh, And I think, again, that demonstrates the power of platform, which is something that we'll probably see emerge a little bit more as we continue to have this explosion in different types of applications that are out there and granular functions that you can do with pieces of software. That need to all be tied together somewhere right
0: the use of social as as the, to the primary mobile app i guess that we in i think it was in this in this office study if i recall is super interesting because i that it was far and away the most used type of application among workers compared to any other you know you name it other applications um so i, I found that fascinating and i think it reflects society really as, as a whole right now but yeah, I think the idea of a single platform, A, it, it certainly simplifies life for an IT department. In many ways, it simplifies life for a third-party channel firm that's selling or managing a customer's environment. Um, but there are definitely pros and cons to um, doing either a either single platform versus best of breed. And as we're finding today many individual departments are are choosing to do their own thing when it comes to applications and so even within our organization you know what we might do in the research department for collaboration isn't necessarily what the you know another department is doing or another department is doing and and how the IT department's handling that I'm not sure you know so um it it's it is a little bit of a wild west though
1: yeah, I think it still is. And you know, maybe this concept of platforms is where there's huge opportunity for third parties, channel firms, IT departments to bring back some control and at least manage the situation a little bit, even if it's somewhat of a virtual platform, even if, you know, that's not branded, there's not a dashboard, there's not right. necessarily an app store that people all all employees can download any approved apps, but there's this notion of kind of a virtual boundary and and IT is working with APIs and different functions to stitch everything together to have an understanding of what people are using and to allow them some choice while they're still tied into the larger collective um, so that work can continue to flow from one piece to another and people can collaborate um, and get everything done.
0: Yeah, I think it really comes down to balance. So a balance between Allowing flexibility and choice within your worker population, and then um, balancing that against the security and you know accountability types of considerations that have to take place to um, make sure that the organization as a whole is protected and functioning as efficiently and productively as possible. Not an easy thing to do, but I, I think that you know the cat's out of the bag now in terms of keeping everything in lockdown. I don't think we're going to be allowed to do that anymore. It's not going to be a monolithic type of work environment for. Whether it's devices or applications or platforms, um, for many companies. So right now we're in a situation where it's okay. So how do we deal with that?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's probably a good note to wrap on the the balance and and building the right environment. Um, and as we wrap up here, we could maybe mention uh, some upcoming research that I think focuses on that area. Uh, I have a study coming out called Building Digital Organizations. That focuses on the structure of companies as they're trying to decide some of these things around technology, how it gets procured, who has responsibility between IT or business units. It's the second year that we've run that study, uh, and some uh, good findings in there and some some good trends over last year. Uh, so that should be available in the next couple weeks.
0: Yep, and I've got a study um, that's really in the uh, in the first first stages right now. That dovetails um, very much with what you're doing with digital organizations, um, and, but we're taking a look specifically at business units, non-IT business units, and what some of their tech usage patterns are, what their attitudes about technology are, how they procure um, we're doing a real deep dive on whether they are, um, and this speaks to everything we've talked about today in terms of flexibility uh, and choice versus responsibility and security. Is whether or not these individual business units that are not aligned, they're not IT departments, uh, are buying their own and procuring their own applications and their own devices and. Um, whether or not they do that in concert with the IT department whether they're doing it on their own whether they you know whether it's consider- whether it's a rogue situation or not so it'll, it'll be interesting to see we're really going to do a dive in on financial um, business units marketing business units and then operational business units such as human resources and i know that a lot of activity in terms of software in particular and applications goes on um, within those individual business units that does not necessarily touch the IT department so'm um, looking forward to getting that data back and you know we'll probably be able to share i know digital orgs is ready to go so people can find that report this um report of mine will probably not be available until i'd say the march time frame but it'll be it'll be interesting and i think it uh it works well with what we've discussed here today
1: yep sounds good lots to look forward to
0: lots and lots yeah q1's been busy so far so
1: i know yeah always a rush at the beginning of the year here with uh, the outlook and a few other studies that are waiting in the wings. So, uh, it's good. Good to be pushing stuff out. Keeps us busy through all the gloomy days.
0: Yep. Keeps us moving through January. <laughs> all right, Seth. Well, you take care.
1: All right. You too. Talk to you soon.